0: Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job, which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling, all of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, please welcome in Jim Kukral, who is the founder of Lifeapoc.com. For 25 years, Jim has been writing books, keynote speaking, and building successful lifestyle businesses as a marketing entrepreneur. But the pandemic and a near-death diagnosis of colon cancer changed everything for Jim in 2020, so he threw away all of his past success to start something completely different, a new brand called Life Apocalypse. As an almost 50-year-old successful businessman, husband, and father of two, Jim realized that he needed to spend his remaining days on this planet helping people figure out how to live a life of significance, impact, and purpose. I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation I had with Jim so without further ado, please welcome in Jim Kukral. Jim, welcome to the podcast, man. Glad to have you. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, awesome to have you here and chat with you a little bit. I, I'm i really intrigued. I, you know, as, you know, as I have all different guests on all walks of life and, you know, as I kind of strategize and research prior of like, hey, where's a good spot to go? Where to start? I think there's only one relevant place to start with you because you had a massive getting started moment last year um, in terms of this kind of not obviously we all have with the pandemic but you personally and I wanted you if you could share your story a little bit there because I think that's a good starting point because it seemed like you know going through the the colon cancer and, and those type of things that just ultimately shifted a mindset that you had for many years. So can yeah. you start maybe share a little bit about that journey you went through and then we'll kind of piece it from there? Yeah,
1: so uh, the the quick version of that, Ryan, is I got colon cancer in the middle of a pandemic at the same time going through a midlife crisis, right? So um, kind of a big shift for me in 2020. Um, although I make jokes with my wife now that I'm in remission and the cancer's gone. Yeah. Uh, I make very macabre jokes with my wife, I say, was a great time to get sick in the middle of a pandemic because no one's going anywhere and doing anything right you're just at home anyway so if you're not feeling well from chemotherapy you're just at home so um yeah I got cancer uh, but I'm fine people have had much worse versions than I have uh, but I was already ready to start the next chapter of my life mm-hmm. okay which was doing something completely different spent 25 years entrepreneur internet marketing author Uh, speaker. Mm -hmm. And I was ready to move on to the next thing. And what happened was the pandemic and cancer just hyper accelerated that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, specifically, if you look at back at 2020, and I think you'll agree that 2020 will go down in history as a year that created the greatest shift in mindset in human history, because 2020, the pandemic hit people across everything financial, spiritual, religious, physical, mental, you name it. And not just some people, everybody, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Billions of people were affected by this. So what has happened is you're seeing this hyper acceleration of people who might not want to go back to work, right? Or who might be happy pumping gas at a gas station now, as opposed to making half a million dollars a year, people are thinking differently. So um, that's where my head is at. And that's where my direction is moving forward.
0: Well, so let me ask you about, you mentioned kind of this midlife crisis or this kind of yeah. change. It, how long did you have, I, I, i I could be totally wrong here, but I know for myself and a lot of other folks that I've talked with that have had similar or gone through stuff, it's normally a long, like that mm-hmm. may have been years in the making. Can you share just a little bit more how you uncovered you were actually in this crisis and well, Yeah, mine, I think mine
1: just started. I mean, the proverbial okay. midlife crises. And I think mine started because uh, I was 48 at the time, um, 49 at the time. And I had to made the realization that in a couple of years I was going to be an empty nester. So mm-hmm. I've got one in college and then I got two years left with the youngest. Mm-hmm. And my mind just started going, what's next? Like when I don't have baseball and choir and parent teacher and driving kids around what are me and my wife going to do next and that's what got me thinking because that's how i'm an entrepreneurial brain i start like what am i going to do now what am i going to do next and that's what happened and then the pandemic hit cancer hit and that just accelerated it to the next level so look i believe in something what i call a life apocalypse okay Um, Everybody has life apocalyptic moments. It's basically a a transitional moment in your life that causes you to move one way or the other. Everybody has them. It can be everything from your first kiss to colon cancer. Okay. So people have these moments. If you look at your life from uh, left to right in a timeline, you think your life is a big straight linear line, right? The truth is, is your line does this, right? It goes up, down, it curves around, it goes in every one of those upper high points are life apocalyptic moments, right? And where you go from there depends on how your mindset is, right? And how you're ready to move forward. So um, that was definitely a big moment for me. And the transition happened uh, because I was already starting to think about the next phase of my life. Sometimes you're forced into it. Remember, life apocalyptic moment you can self generate those but most
0: of the time they just hit you out of the blue yeah that's yeah that's a fair point obviously with the cancer i'm assuming you know that's that was a yeah, hit you out obviously. of the blue type We're right can can i ask and i'm we don't get too personal if you don't want but i, I mean i am curious i mean i'm getting up there and there's other you know uh, folks listening in like was that something that was obvious to discover did you have to go through cuz i actually i was thinking about this recently and my grandmother actually passed away from colon cancer many years ago and just thinking through like how do you uncover that like what testing is there like what i i that's a way side street to what we've been talking about but i'm just i guess curious to ask well, so did you uncover that so
1: right when the pandemic started i started to have digestive issues And I wrote it off as COVID stress. Hmm. And then I thought I had Lyme disease and uh, irritable bowel syndrome. It just kept getting worse and worse. Then I thought I had COVID tested negative for that. This was back March, April, May, 2020. Eventually just kept getting worse and worse. I couldn't mow my grass for more than five minutes. I was tired. Hmm. So I went, I'm in Cleveland. I went to the Cleveland clinic second, first best hospital in the entire world. And they did full tests on me. And they said, we don't see anything in your blood. So doctor's like, you should go get a colonoscopy. Now, I woke up at the end of my colonoscopy, which is an interesting experience to wake up at the end of a colonoscopy and to hear the doctor go, that shouldn't be there, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> and seeing inside of me, imagine a garden hose, but imagine taking a baseball and sticking it in the middle of a garden hose. That was the tumor inside my colon. Oh, wow. Wow. And he's like, that shouldn't be there. So seven days later, I have a 12-hour surgery. It's removed. Six uh, rounds of chemotherapy, chemotherapy later. And uh, I'm in remission. It's all great now. But that's how that kind of things. The lesson to that story is always go to the hospital. Don't wait too long. Because if I would have waited, we would not be having this conversation right now. We would not. It would have spread. And I probably would be dead. And that rhymes. That's terrible. But that rhymes. How, how uh, like, when they put, like, the stages on it, what was the stage? Stage three. So it had okay. not spread past okay. my colon. It was surgically removed. The chemotherapy was a precautionary device mm-hmm. just to make sure that it didn't come back. Now, it can always come back. You know, when you, you want to get in deep here, let's get real deep, okay? When the head of oncology at the best hospital cancer center in the world looks you in the face and says, and I say, do I really need to do chemotherapy? And he says, you don't have to do it. But if you do it, you got about an eighty-five percent chance that you're not cancer is ever going to come back. In other words, you can spin statistics any way you want. In other words, don't do it, and you've got an eighty-five percent chance that the cancer is going to come back. When a physician in that position puts a uh, numeral on your mortality. Guess what happens in your brain? Yeah. <laughs> your mindset tends to shift a little bit faster because you're thinking to yourself, now I have a number attached to how long I could potentially live if I don't take care of myself. So
0: it becomes real, real fast. Mm-hmm. Well, when you talk about the the life apocalypse stuff, you know, and, and let's say it's self-generated, what have you found to, to getting folks from kind of one side of like oh you know whatever life's life's how it is I'm kind of plotting along and actually getting to the as I like to kind of jokingly say like you know you you take the red pill in the matrix like you kind of go down the rabbit hole you kind of see how how life really could be um, how how do folks get from one side to the other what what have you discovered
1: so I'm a 25 year entrepreneur, right? I got out of college 25-ish years ago, had a couple jobs, worked for some people, but basically had been running my own business. You know what I found out really early when I got out of college? I don't like working for other people. The pain level was very high. So in books I've written over the years and in speeches I've given, um, I like to call the pain level index. When you get a kidney stone or you break your leg and you go to the doctor, And they walk in and the nurse looks at you and says, what's your pain level? One to 10, 10 being the worst. Now, when I had kidney stones, I looked her right in the face and I said, 11, right? But that is usually an indication of why a person will make a change or a shift in their life Mm -hmm. if the pain level is high enough, okay? So you may not like your job, but is it at a five and it's tolerable? Mm -hmm. You could take an aspirin, right? Or is it at a 10 and you're like, So my personal opinion is this human beings only make changes when they're either forced to, or their pain level gets too high. And they only take action on changes when they're mentally ready to do so. You will not quit smoking until you're ready to quit smoking. I don't care what gadget or drug or everything you're going to take until your brain decides it's time. It will never happen. Okay. That's not the downplay the addiction is real for drugs and things. It absolutely is. But mindset is one of the biggest things. That's why I actually have mindset tattooed on my my arm. Mindset, impact, lifestyle, purpose, and family. I mean, it's tattooed right on my arm. I got it because I needed to remember those things.
0: Yeah. Well, I, and I, I totally agree with you because, you know, folks ask me a lot about, like, getting started. Obviously, that's, you know, my platform and everything. And, and I, I like to tell them, I said, to get started, there's really two levels prior. There's and, and it's kind of to what you were talking about is you have to change. So you have to say, hey, I want to change. But then there's that second part that often gets overlooked is you have to commit to the change. You have to actually want to do things and put action in place to commit to the change. Cause we all say like, Oh, I want to go lose weight or I want to do this or that. And how many we don't do it because we haven't committed, like you said, you haven't actually physically and mentally committed to doing that. So I I agree with you a hundred percent on that, that it's that mindset. It's putting yourself in the position that we can succeed if we really want to do it. Right.
1: There's a, um, uh, the famous person his name is William James he's the father of modern psychology mm-hmm. everybody thinks it's Freud it's not Freud is a got his own special thing But when you think psychology William James is the goat okay he's okay. The, he, he's he's inspired modern psychology philosophy he's laid the groundwork for everything that happens inside a person's head for the you know, since whenever he did it century ago he has a quote. He says, you may not get everything you dream about, but you'll never get everything you don't dream about. But here's the more important one. He says, if you can change your mind, you can change your life. OK, um, this guy uh, really impacted a lot of people and a lot of in, in how we do it. And this pandemic really hyper accelerated that line of thinking. Um, but you're right. You 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 have to be ready to do it. I need to lose about a hundred pounds, right? That's the next step, right? But I have not been ready to do it yet. Mm -hmm. And then I got sick and I gained 50 pounds from the steroids, from the chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. So, and I haven't been healthy enough. I could barely walk up steps for the last nine months, right? I can finally mow my grass again. So I wasn't ready to do it. Mentally, I'm ready, but physically I'm still not ready. So it's all gotta
0: happen together. Yeah. Well, and share a little bit, if you don't mind, actually, I'm curious to go back maybe first, because you have been, you know, I guess you could say thinking differently than a lot of folks, because you did make the change to become an entrepreneur, to write, to do things probably against the grain than most people out of college and, you know, into their 20s and and getting into their 30s and stuff. So can you share just a little bit, how did you decide to take that path? You said you didn't like working for other people, but were there other things that impacted going that route versus kind of the traditional path? Well,
1: I know the exact moment I decided to be an entrepreneur. I was working as a third employee of a company that was the first new media business in the country. New media back then meant internet company. This was before anyone had websites. So I was working about 20 hours a day for about a year. Clients were Ernst & Young and Sherwin Williams. I built their first websites from hand, scratch, coding, okay? the day of Christmas bonus came and I basically had been sleeping in the office for about a year. I made these guys millions of dollars in the first. And I'm like, man, I'm making, I was making at the time, it was like 1995. I was making like $22,000 a year. I wow. thought I'm getting a Christmas bonus and it's going to be 10 grand, right? They owe me, they gave me a Christmas bonus of like 40 bucks. And I yeah. almost cried and, and that same day, they went out and blew 50 grand on office furniture for their offices upstairs, the bosses. And I walked out of that office and I said, I'll never work for anyone ever again. Because I don't like being in control, not being in control of my own destiny, right? So th- I know that's the exact moment. So my pain level went from a 2 to yeah. a 10 in one moment.
0: Wow. How did you, I, well, let's, uh, I want to double click on that for a minute. Like, what did you do next after that? What was the... You, you said you were living on the cow. You didn't, maybe, I don't know. if I, a I literally walked, out,
1: I, I walked I, I, out of the office with a check in my hand. Yeah. I went to my girlfriend's apartment, who's my wife now. And I opened up uh, some whiskey or something and we went out and we had some drinks. And I told her that night, I go, I, I'm going to go back, but I'm starting my own company. And within three weeks, I recruited three people out of there. We started our own competing company and grew that to 150 people in the next two to three years. Wow. And then merged with another company that became one of the largest search engine marketing companies in the country who still exists today. And I sold out of that business about 20 years ago to run my own
0: uh, small agency on my own because... I don't like working for other people. <laughs> well, it seems like you kind of just figured out how to do it, you know, because I think this word stifles a lot of folks. And again, I always put myself in that category because I think this is how I was and probably how I still am at times. It's like, you didn't question yourself. You just said, I'm going to do this. I, you know, you had the talent to, you know, to develop websites. And it's like, I'm just going to figure out the business side of it. I don't need someone else to tell me what to do. Pretty much. I mean, in, in the summary, that's probably, it seemed like what you did. You just kind of said, I'm going to figure this out and, and I'm going to make it work. I well, have to make it work. You know, Mark Cuban, who's
1: a, a mentor of mine, um, you know, he always said the best time to do this is when you're younger and you don't have mortgages and kids and like go out and fail. Right. Hmm. Gary Vaynerchuk, another friend of mine is like, go out and take risks and fail. Like when you don't have all those things holding you back, that, that's the time to do it. Right. So you just go out and you make it look, The internet changed everything. There's never been a greater time in the history of the world, the known uh, modern society, Mm -hmm. to start a business, build a brand, grow it. I did all this stuff before social media. Now it's even easier, right? Mm -hmm. I just got off the phone today with a guy and his wife who have a million and a half YouTube subscribers and 2 million Instagram followers. And all they did was create videos and all this stuff. And they're making all this money as influencers. And they're 25 years old and and i can give you a thousand people who have done things like that there's never been a greater time to be able to do that type of thing easy you used to have to spend 30 years in business to to make a decent salary um so if you want to be an
0: entrepreneur go do it well the tools are out there i mean even you could probably speak very eloquently about this like building a website back in the 90s cost yeah. a ton of money and there was only so many people that could build those nowadays it's like you know, if you want to at least get something up on the web, not saying it'd be great, but they're kind of a dime a dozen, right? I mean, you know, well,
1: we would build, we could build Ernst & Young's first website for, you know, half a million dollars today. You could literally hire a virtual assistant from the Philippines to build that same website for $400. Yeah. That's pretty so crazy. Yeah. That tells you anything about value and yeah. uh, economy and time and.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Flat, flattening of the world you talked about your girlfriend becoming your wife and, and, you know, I'm always big on how important support systems are. You know, we can't do it alone. Can you share a little bit about, maybe it's her, of other folks in your life that have been good support systems, mentors, um, folks that have actually helped you maybe in, in with the tough times um, to get to that next level.
1: Well, yeah, first of all, I mean, I come from a, a, a very white collar suburban family. So Um, father worked at general motors, electrician. My mom was a school teacher. So, but it was a comfortable living. I mean, they paid for me to go to college, very privileged, Mm -hmm. grew up without wanting anything in a suburban household. So I'm very cognizant of that and very lucky to have that. So having them as role models, as hard workers helped me become an entrepreneur. Now, also I'm the fourth kid, 10 years removed. Okay. So by the time my parents had me, the other ones were teen, you know, older and, guess what? They were like, you want something to eat? Go make it. You want clean clothes? Go wash them. So I've been an entrepreneur since (laughs) I was a little kid because I've been on my own, right? Hey, I'm leaving eight in the morning. I'll see you in 16 hours. You know, back in the day when you didn't have cell phones. So I've been independent my entire life, Mm. but having the support is really important. Um, Now, my wife, she made three times as much money as I did when uh, we got married. She quit when we started to have kids because she wanted to stay home and be super mom. And she, she did. She had a wonderful job. It was great. But uh, she's been my support system, especially, I got to tell you through the cancer,
0: mm. you yeah, want to have I mean, somebody with you to take care of you for sure. Well, I imagine it. And, and being around people that are actually uplifting and, and yes. supportive and, and giving you a positive encouragement versus the alternative that sometimes we find ourselves in those relationships or those people that maybe aren't. And for some reason we stick around there, you
1: well, know, People don't learn that. I mean, I think it's hyper accelerated now that I had two kids who grew up in the social media age. i got a 19 year old and a 16 year old. So they grew up before Instagram, but like right in the middle of all this nonsense. Right. So they learn those strat those rules really quickly. <laughs> Who's the bully? Who's saying this, how to block them. So we didn't have that growing up. You had yeah. to learn how to mentally remove those people from your life. Some people don't learn that. Some people never figure that out. Some people do figure it out very early. I was fortunate to figure it out when I was in college. And I made a. I have all these pivotal life apocalyptic moments. I remember the moment there was a toxic person in college that I was hanging around with. And I just looked at him one day and I said, you know what, you're not a nice person. You're not nice to other people. You don't bring anything to my life. I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And I never talked to him again.
0: Mm -hmm. How do you think some of those? Because obviously, with you know writing a lot of books, and I see this now, trying to write a lot is—it's almost like you're always not—I not, don't remembering Maybe it's not the best way, but I guess that's the only way my vocabulary. But like, you remember all these moments that happen? Is it just because you're so used to documenting things, and because you wrote? Like, do you think that's a reason that these are very prevalent? Because that you—you you were kind of intentional about that stuff, or am I just trying to piece the dots that aren't there? I don't know. Well, look, I write nonfiction, entrepreneurial kind of marketing
1: books. Okay. So it's not, you know, who moved my cheese and it's not Stephen King novels. Right. It's, it's very instructional, inspirational type of stuff. And everyone's got their different process for how to write in a book. It just got to come at it from the angle of what are you trying to do? I wish I would have written more personal books, Mm -hmm. you know, but I wasn't ready to write those. I'm going to write some of those now at this point in my life, but Really, I just wrote books for business function, which was uh, how to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Here's how to do better marketing and here's how to become an entrepreneur, things like that. And that's all it is. You're solving people's problems. That's all businesses, solving people's problems.
0: And if yeah. you have a good enough solution, they pay you for it. Yeah. Did you, you know I know one of the things that I want to chat about a little bit with the life apocalypse around purpose and finding your purpose? Yeah. And um, I, I'm curious though. I'm wondering if your intro is introspective. Is that the, the word I should be yeah. using, but you obviously went out on your own. You didn't want to work for anyone else. And you kind of, you had obviously that web development background, but did did you think that was your purpose? Like when you were building those businesses and doing that stuff, or was that just like, so, well, this is just what I'm good at. I'm curious so, what your perspective is. So like.
1: it's really funny you say that because one of the things purpose tattooed here, um, I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some people who are very lucky figure that stuff out when they're five years old or ten years old. Or some people don't figure it out ever. I'm 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 this close to figuring it out, okay. But maybe that'll change tomorrow. Here's the problem that I've I, and I've psychoanalyzed myself. I have no medical training. Um, you do what you're supposed to do to get by. So what I was taught was grow up, go to school, get a job, get married, have kids, take care of your family. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And I'm still doing that. So to your point, the function was do what you're good at and you can make money at so that you can raise your family. And that's what I did for 25 years marketing after last year, after the pandemic, after cancer, I threw it all away threw it all in the trash. I threw my entire business of marketing, my all my background, my experience, all my credibility, I threw it right in the trash. And I launched a new brand. And I have a new place where I'm going because I realized that I didn't want my purpose in life wasn't to be a marketer, mm-hmm. wasn't to help businesses get make better ads and sell things. That wasn't my purpose. That was the function that helped me accomplish my goal. My purpose, which I'm starting to finally get clear on what it is, is truly what I am really good at, is inspiring other people to think differently and live their dreams. When I really thought about the, all the hundreds of speaking events I've done over the years, the the reason people come up to me afterwards and want to shake my hand is they would say, I think differently now. Wow, you blew my mind. I'm going to can't wait to go home, change the way I do things. Mm -hmm. And that's truly my gift, I believe. So now with this new brand and the new show that I'm writing, I'm writing a one-man show, um, that's what I'm trying to bring to the world. So I think my purpose is to actually help people figure out how to live happier and um, find their purpose.
0: Well, I think that's part of the journey, though, right? Is yes. oh, discovering yes. the purpose, right? Is like, that's part of what you do every day is kind of figuring it out. And, and it ebbs and flows. And, you know, my mentor, Rich Keller, um, I, I love how he puts it as, you know, a lot of people think, you know, what you do is who you are. And really, it's the flip side. It's, who you are should influence and impact what you do, you know, because we're so tied to our identity. Like, Hey, you're the marketer. I used to be the golf guy when I used to be a PJ professional and teach golf. Like wow, I was the golf guy. And it was like, how do I get out of that? It took a while, a lot of more internal work to get out of that of like, no, I'm not a golf. I can do so many other things. I can't be tied to this identity just because it's a job. You know what I'm saying? Well,
1: that's the problem. That's the trap. Okay.
0: That's the trap.
1: As Americans, I can't speak for the rest of the world. The trap as Americans is develop a brand, be good at something, and then wash, rinse, repeat it until you die. Even if that thing isn't your thing that you love the most. Right? That's the trap. Now, if you look around, you look left, you look right, and you look at the people around you are the happiest, the most successful, the ones who um, usually have money, uh, who are stress-free, they broke free from that trap at some point. They Mm -hmm. took the blue pill or was it the red pill? The red pill. Yeah. They took the (laughs) red pill. They took the red pill and they said, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it my way. You know, they're very lucky people to have figured things out early. Right. Took colon cancer and a pandemic for me to get there. That was my red pill.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And 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 again, it, 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 but that's the trap. So you get, you labeled yourself as the golf guy. Yep. But ultimately it wasn't really, wasn't your thing. Same with the thing with me. I was the marketing guy. I called myself a marketer. How terrible is that? Everyone hates marketers. Yeah. The, only, the only thing people hate worse than marketers, politicians and attorneys. And, you know, like, why did I call myself a marketer? Why? Because it made money for my family.
0: Yeah. I that's thought a, I that was the label. Yeah,
1: that was so the label leave. I thought I had to put on myself in order to earn an income for my family.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, you know, what I found at least um, is why we prevent ourselves from trying new things and breaking outside because it's like, no, no, this is the, this is the cozy little blanket that I covered myself with. And I, it feels right. good going out. Like that was the whole thing with this, starting this podcast, you know, it's been almost four years now. I remember I was going to start this in 2015. And it literally took me almost two years to start the podcast. Because it was I mean, I was a different Brian back then so much fear and anxiety, what other people were going to think. And finally, I I kind of, you know, talking about what we were talking about earlier, I finally made the decision to commit to the change and say, I'm going to start it. And ultimately, here we are, um, you know, so many years later, but it was just that not believing that I was good enough. Cause I was like, I never did a podcast. I never, did you know, spoke yeah. my message out, you know, in the world. So it's, it's really just intriguing how we put those self-limiting beliefs on ourselves, and, and, you know? And, and we fail a lot. You've got to be good at failing, right? Like right. I've started
1: a lot of podcasts that failed probably because I never consistently went through them, but I did do one podcast. I did every week with a co-host for five years straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that one w- went really well. It's still going on with a different host. You know, I fail out of a hundred times, ninety-nine times I fail. That's what really stops most people from getting to that next point is they just can't handle the failure. Yeah, they're scared of it; it freaks them out. Doesn't freak me out. I'm writing a one-man show right now. Think about that. That sounds kind of. cool. I've spoken all over the world on stage. I'm not scared of crowds. Yeah. But I'm writing a show, not a speech. I've got a set. I need to do dialogue perfected. I've got a whole ax one, two, and three, and open and close. I'm I'm scared, you know what? And I'm starting to pitch it to local theaters, and they're asking me to come in and audition it for them. I got to go on stage and do a performance. I don't have I have zero performance training. I've yeah. never acted in a play. I've never done any of that stuff. So I'm gonna go in front of professional playwrights and scriptwriters and do a piece that I wrote without preparation in the next month or two here. And I'm scared as heck. And it could fail. They could laugh me out of that place. Yeah. And they might go, this is not funny. I think it's hilarious. I think it's great. They'll make you cry make you laugh. But they could be like, this is terrible. Well, get out of here. Yeah. But I won't know until I do it. Or I go in there and I blow them away and they go, Hey, can we put this on? And then somebody watches it and says, that was amazing. You know, where can you go from there? Yeah. But that's how a successful career happens. When you take chances like that, you can't
0: yeah, be afraid of the failure. You, yeah. Cause it's so funny. You mentioned that. Cause it's not even like we can sit back from the, cause that's not really a chance. You know, like take a chance. is like, I'm going to jump off this bridge and hopefully I land safe. Like, you're really like, yeah, you might fail or you might, you get laughed out of the room, but that's not, that's kind of safe even, you know what I'm saying? Like we put so much pressure on ourselves when we know in the back of our head, what's the worst that could happen. Okay. So you get laughed out of the room, big deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not going to get But that's a lot
1: for some people.
0: I know. Well, I know it's a lot for me as well, but I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is when we, when we look from, you know, kind of connect the dots, looking backwards It's like, oh, that wasn't that bad. It didn't hurt us physically. It wasn't like, you know, (laughs) but for some reason we feel like uh, it's going to be the worst thing in the world, you know? Yeah, that is the hardest, one of the hardest things to overcome. And, and, you know, that is why a lot
1: of people who are very creative, there are a lot of creatives in the world who you'll never hear from. There's a lot of poems and music and art that you'll never see. You know why? Mm -hmm. Because people are scared to leave their job because of healthcare. I'll give you one example, right? Like I can't quit my job. I've got four kids. I would love to go write a play or write a book or do something, but I can't quit my job. You know, think about it from 17th century, you know, artists, poets, musicians had patrons. They didn't have jobs. Mm-hmm. They had people who funded them, right? So that they Shakespeare had a patron was the queen of England. Right. Right. So, patrons and creativity gets suppressed because of everyday worries like healthcare, money, and things like that. So um, there's so many people out there that could be producing so many things, but they just get stopped for one of those reasons. And it's sad. It's
0: very sad. Well, and I think that goes to the point of you don't have to do it. You don't have to quit right away. You can, you can, you know, if you want to write that book or play or whatever, you can do that. You know, your kids go to bed, do it for an hour or two. You know, this is Gary V talks about this a ton, you know, it's about, you know, what's that, what's that nine to one kind of, you know, hour look like for you, or maybe it's in the morning before everyone wakes up, like finding the time to at least try and see if there's even a fit there. Cause you may get into it and not like it. You know, some folks never get so far. They might not even like it. I
1: don't know. I mean, people, this is old school Gary V, but Gary V got his start. He was working for his dad at the liquor store. And he said, you know what? I'm going to start doing a show. And he called it Wine Library. And yep. he, he did a, a, a daily show. And he talked about wine, right? And I knew Gary Vee before he started that show. And then he started that show. And he just did it every day and every day and yep. every day. And this is before really big social media stuff. And I remember hanging out with Gary V in Vegas before anyone knew who he was, right? Now you can't walk 10 feet with them in Vegas because yeah, everyone great. wants to take a picture with them. Yeah. Right? They don't know who I am. Of course they know who Gary is. <laughs> My point is, is that Gary just said, I'm going to go do it. Yeah. Wine library. And he did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows and then went to the next level and the next level and the next level. Yeah. Uh, he's a great example of just going out there and doing it. Now he's yeah. doing it with the garage sale stuff, which is so cool. Yeah. Right? I forget what he calls it. And the NFTs, like he's just constantly, I look at him as motivation because now I'm going to do that show, mm-hmm. right? Which yep. is either going to be a success or a failure, but at least
0: I tried. Yeah. You put yourself out there and you never know what could happen. You uh, never know. So what's the, I got to ask though, I'm, I'm curious, like what's the show? Like what's the basis of it? What's the topic of the show? Like what's the the premise, I guess.
1: Uh, the only thing I'm going to tell you is it's about dads. Okay. And it's a dramedy. So one of my favorite shows of all time, I think the best written television show in the history of television is mash okay uh mash the the best thing about mash is it can make you laugh hysterically one second and then make you cry 20 seconds later so it's about dads it's a it's about revelation of dads and how their wives and their kids and their lives and things that dads do that's that's as much as i'm willing to reveal right now but I'm, i'm very excited about it i've written I've written pretty much every act of it in the last 30 days. It just flowing out of me. You ever had one of those if you've had one of those moments where you just lightning hit and you just sit down and it's just like boom, 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 boom. And it just flowed out of me. When that happens to me, um, usually good things come of
0: that. Yeah, those are fun, those are fun moments. Those those happen from time to time. Actually, that, I thought about a few. When you just mentioned that, it made me think of. I wrote this uh, podcasting ebook a couple of years ago, and I wrote it in one night. It was like fifteen pages. I just sat down and just like the word just came to you, and it just. It's happens. a great
1: like, feeling. It is. You it know, one. Uh, one of the things I've been doing lately to try and improve myself. I'm not a big habits fixing guy. I'm not one of those guys, but. Instead of watching Netflix, I subscribed to masterclass.com, right? Oh,
0: that's I subscribed
1: yeah. because I wanted Aaron Sorkin my favorite writer. And he wrote the West Wing and Social mm-hmm. Network and all that stuff. Great writer. I wanted to take his screenwriting masterclass because I want to learn about story development, character development. And I watched it and I was blown away, right? And it helped me feel. So then I started watching more stuff and other people. Um, so one of the things I've been doing, in the last year or so is just trying to self-improve through content that is going to help me. Some people find, read books. That's great. I read a lot of fiction books just for fun. Some people read nonfiction books. Some people watch videos. Some people take courses, find what is going to help you get there. Invest in it. Don't be scared of investing in something. By the way, I've invested over six figures in myself in the last 20 years. 90% of them were complete busts. In other words, I've lost, probably close to a hundred grand in investing in programs and courses and things that were just like, right. But one or two of them changed my life. Mm -hmm. I can tell you one of them that has made me a lot of money. Another one, another one as well. So don't be scared to fail. Don't be scared of investing in yourself. Find If you find the right
0: one, it can change your entire career. Is there one uh, masterclass that's something I'm, I'm subscribed to as well? Um, I actually really like the one. Have you listened with uh, Neil Gaiman? Have you watched that one? No. He, you know, I don't know if you know who Neil Gaiman is. He's like, a, he's an author. And yes. uh, yeah, that's a really good one too. Cause it got me thinking about writing in a different way. Okay. But, but um, that's next. I gonna write that down. You may enjoy it. I don't, he's, I don't know. I, I think with his accent and his, his knowledge, like he's such okay. a real, he's really like, he pulls you in. Um, but I'm curious, is there a, a, a sneaky one that you've watched? That's like, we should all, I, I just consider? started. So oh, I, okay. just, oh, you just I just, I okay. just
1: got through, I, I highly recommend Aaron Sorkin. So if you love social network and West wing, if you love that kind of writing mash kind of writing, Aaron Sorkin's was really good. Okay. Awesome. It's more about screenplays though, and TV shows and dialogue and things, but there's a lot of good story stuff in it.
0: The, uh, I want to ask this. So and now maybe I'll let you out of here. Um, I appreciate I appreciate I'm your time. Here. It's I'm been ready really to go. good. has been really going. good dialogue. Um, I want you to go back. I always like to, to say this. If you had to go back to your younger self, so let's go back to the yeah the, the, the kid that went, you know that left that role uh, that got the forty dollars Christmas bonus, um, mm. and and if they had that if they had a post it note on their computer at that time, one piece of insight knowledge, it, it could be a a, a quote you have acquired over the years. I don't care. It doesn't matter what it is. What would you share with that younger self yeah. as an impactful um thing for them to take with them along their journey? I, I like this question, but I don't like it. And I'm just being
1: honest. What I don't like it for myself is I don't like to I I don't think it benefits me personally to have a regrets and look back because I believe that everyone goes through this scale of what they do mm-hmm. and whatever happened, happened. Okay. Exactly. Yep. It happened to you at the right time for whatever reason. So like trying to be down in yourself. And I know that's not what you're asking or you're saying, right. but don't ever get down in yourself because you didn't think of that 25 years ago. That's I'll a give good you point. a that's great a good, example. That's a good point though, yeah. Let me I give mean, you a great <laughs> example. Go ahead. Okay? When I first got started in this business, yeah. when you used to register a domain name, it cost $70 to register a domain name. I was making like 15 grand a year at the time. I specifically remember sitting in a room with my best man for my wedding when we were in college and going, what domain name should we buy? And we we don't make a lot of money, so we probably only could buy like three or four, and that's a stretch, 70 bucks a piece for a year of registration. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting around and we're going, what should we buy? And we couldn't think. We couldn't think everything. This was early. I literally could have bought the word food.com I could have bought computer, like like I could have opened up a dictionary and found the most popular words. My point is I didn't have the thought process to do that back then. I could have made millions and millions and millions of dollars if I would have bought uh, phonebook.com, right? Huh. So being down on myself or not thinking about that just means I can't do that, right? So, but if I did have that post-it note put on the computer, um, it wouldn't be anything like that. It would be um, focus on the one thing, right? Uh, the, the one thing that really you're passionate about, not just work thing that makes you money. Focus on the one thing that you truly, truly love to do, right? And you, But the problem is you might not know that right then, but you got to start someplace, right? Um so yeah, really just getting laser focused. I'm the master of everything. I've done all kinds of internet marketing, millions of different things. It, if I would have focused on one thing back then and really nailed into it, I'd be in a different position today. But again, this was the path that was supposed to happen. Yeah. So if you're listening to this right now, let go of that thought. You do not have to have it all figured out. Whatever's happening right now in my opinion is happening for a reason and you're not supposed to know now, right? That's, that's how my brain works. You may completely disagree with that if you're watching this, but that's what I believe you're not supposed to know, or you're not ready to take that next step yet. It will happen when it happens.
0: Yeah. But I, I, but I do, uh, I think you you do make a good point about the focus is even if things are going to happen, you still have to make decisions in life. Yeah. So lean into that focus of what are some things you really want to do? You can't do everything probably, or you can't do it to the best of your ability. Why don't you, what's the one or two thing going back to purpose, right? How do you find your purpose? You know, you have to, you have to, you've got to go more than just surface level. you got to go deeper into stuff and see if you really like it. At least it's my opinion. Uh, You have to kind of go and pull back the layers and really figure out like, is that what you're really meant for? And if it's not, that's fine but I don't know if we always get to that point, you know?
1: Well, there's a lot of ways to get to that. You know, yeah. if you go back to the sixties, Timothy Leary, will tell you some chemical ways to, you know, to expand your mind there. Right. I was born in 71. So that was before my time, but you know, there's the one way to get there and then there's, you know, meditation and then there's other things. So, um, what here, here's a good thing to tell you. Here's what I tell my kids. Okay. Cause so my kids are teenagers. Um, I tell my kids, you know, just figure out what makes you happy, right? And even if you don't know that, don't have pressure to do what society says you need to do. Like, I want you to go to college, but I want you to go to college because it's more of a social thing for me. Like, are you really going to earn back your money from a college degree unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or something? Probably not in today's world, Right. Um, so just figure out what you're passionate about, what you have fun with and be happy. And, um, it'll, it'll happen.
0: Yeah. No now pressure. I, I like that a lot. Cause I think that opens the doors though. Right. If, if, if you, if you're happy, if you're kind of just like taking chances because it's something like you like with your, you want, you're not, no one's pressuring you to do this one man show. It's something you, no. it seems like you enjoy, you have it in your mind. You want to do.
1: So I'm you're, pumped. I'm yeah. so excited. I send myself notes. I email myself notes. I'm in the car. I talk myself. I've, I'm so excited. I have a 30-page Google document I've written. I'm so excited about it. Yeah. And I'm well, at the same time, I'm completely frightened.
0: <laughs> well, but I think that, I mean, I, I, go, if we can go to this rabbit hole a second, and this is actually a really good point, and uh, maybe it'll be a good end to the conversation, but is th- – <sighs> When you look at someone, again, I'll take myself, I went to the, I went to the golf route, and, and, I, and I did enjoy golf, and I did enjoy the business side of it. But if you take that approach of like, okay, I'm leaving college, I'm going to entry level job, right? Insert anyone that's doing that. It's are you really doing that because you're happy, and this is a path you want? Or it's, oh, I got to make some money, so I guess I have to go get a job. Versus if you really took the path of, hey, this is kind of cool, this, this makes me happy, this is an interesting path who says you can't make money that route? Hmm. but society says society says oh you got to go do this job and do whatever yeah, that's why the can't trap. you go the other why can't you go the other way and and you you're living proof of that you went the other way yeah that's and, the
1: trap yeah. yeah it's hard to break out of that it really is yeah you know this is why you see a lot of people who are wealthy like next generation wealth like bill gates right they don't let their kids on social media right Um, they don't send their kids to traditional schools for traditional stuff because they want their kids to think at the, at a different level, as opposed to the rest of us, you know, um, and, you know, my kids go to public school, right. And they, they're traditional. There's no fancy anything. Um, but they, they, they learn from me that it's better to own the restaurant than work at the restaurant. That's what I always tell them. Right. And we'll see. We'll see yeah. if they want to be entrepreneurs. They might not. They might enjoy working for somebody else.
0: And that'd be great as long as they like what they're doing. Yeah, that's a great point. Jim, this is awesome, man. Where's uh, where's the best place for people to say hello to you online?
1: Uh, Just my website, my name.com, Jim
0: Kukral, com. Jim JimKukral.com. This has been an awesome conversation, dude. Glad to have you on. Thanks so much for joining and uh, look forward to keeping in touch with you.
1: Yeah, I would love to come on again in the future. And it was a wonderful conversation.
0: Thank you for having me. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by. And just one more quick thing before you run along in your day. If you were looking for some more resources, some more insight, you know, inspiration, things to get you going a little bit further on your journey, Feel free to head over to my website, Brianondraco.com forward slash subscribe, and you can sign up for my weekly newsletter that comes out. That's more of a digest of a lot of information that I discover throughout the week, whether it's a new podcast I listen to or maybe it's a great follow online that's very insightful or a video I came across. I put that in a digestible form that you get once a week as well as I blog three times a week. And these are very micro-type blogs, one- to five-minute reads. They hit your inbox Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning and maybe give you a little dose of inspiration to get you going on your day. So feel free to sign up for those if it's something you might find as value. Thanks again for listening in. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.